0: When people come to us and there's no brand, there's no vision, like there's no marketing tactic, I'm sure you know this, there's no marketing tactic that'll save a bad business. When I say that as well, and I think that's probably my biggest thing is before you engage in search, before you do anything, ask yourself, do I check off on the business fundamentals first? Because you have the business fundamentals, then everything becomes a lot easier and your dollar for dollar investment, you're going to get a greater return. So that's kind of just my overall message, SEO and marketing in general.
1: You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating and professionalizing cannabis light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Tarabi. Hello and welcome back to the Two B Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, cannabis business owner and brand marketer. And to start this week off, I am about to be on my way to Denver for the Cannabis Marketing Summit, which will be taking place this Thursday and Friday at the downtown Denver Hilton. If you'll be around, please come find me and say hi, especially if we haven't met in person yet, and be sure to add my panel from Seed to Brand, Crafting a Compelling Identity for Your Cannabis Brand, to your schedule, which is taking place Friday at 1.30 p.m. on the main stage. I also wanted to mention that another event will be going on simultaneously while I'm in Denver that I may or may not pop over to, and that is the Psychedelic Science Conference taking place at the Denver Convention Center. Touted as the largest psychedelic conference in history, it is put on by MAPS, which stands for Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. And earlier this year, the state of Colorado passed Prop 122, which made it the second state in addition to Oregon to legalize and regulate the market for mushrooms. I by no means am a psychedelic expert, but I am a fan and am someone who is super curious about the synergies between psychedelics and cannabis. So Again, I may or may not pop into that event if I get the chance and would love to learn more about your interests in psychedelics and if you see a convergence of our industries in the future. So please reach out and let me know. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and always at tobebluntpod.com. Some news to put on your radar. Let's get through them. Quick fire up first, the state of Alabama, which legalized medical marijuana in 2021, awarded 21 business licenses through their Medical Cannabis Commission that drew from a pool of over 90 applicants to kick off its medical marijuana program. The licenses span across integrated facilities, cultivation, processing, dispensary, secure transportation, and state testing lab. And in a world where I didn't think Alabama could beat Texas, here they go. Massive congrats. Can't wait to see how that kicks off for the state of Alabama. Now, over in Rhode Island, their Senate met last week, confirming a trio of regulators that will form the new Cannabis Control Commission to oversee and control the state's budding regulated industry. The vote comes as advocates and business owners have become vocal in their frustration about the delay in launching the next phase of marijuana legalization. This comes more than a year after Rhode Island legalized cannabis for recreational use. The commission, which is modeled off of the Massachusetts Commission by the same name, will soon start crafting new rules surrounding the industry, including how and when to issue additional retail licenses to sell cannabis. There will be a total of 24 licenses offered in six zones across the state, and licenses will be $30,000 annually. If you live or operate in Rhode Island and are going after a cannabis license, please reach out. Or if you have a brand that you know about in Rhode Island, let me know. Let's talk. I'm super curious about these up and coming markets. Same goes for Alabama. If anybody's tuning in from Alabama, please reach out. would love to meet you and talk to you. Next, Amazon-owned Twitch bans streamers from promoting marijuana but allows alcohol branding in a recent policy update. The branded content policy covers product placements, endorsements, sponsored gameplay, paid unboxing, and branded channels. And under a list of prohibited brand deals, it says streamers cannot be paid for promoting cannabis-related products including vaping, delivery, and even CBD. But the guidelines specifically carve out an exception for alcohol, which allows streamers to be paid for promoting booze as long as products are marked as mature content. This doesn't really make sense, as Twitch's parent company Amazon is also lobbying in support of federal marijuana legalization legislation, and the corporation has also adopted more progressive policies internally around marijuana drug testing for their employees, But it's clearly an issue that is being brought up for whatever reason, and so something just to keep and be mindful of, especially as we continue to make progress on these platforms for not only cannabis brands, but ultimately, too, for cannabis content creators and cannabis content in general. And another story in an ongoing confusing update from the DEA. The DEA is discussing the legal status of minor cannabinoids like THCA and hydrogenated CBD. In a letter dated June 9th, the DEA said it was responding to a request for information about the scheduling status of the cannabis components under the Controlled Substances Act, also known as the CSA. There's been some confusion about the legality of minor cannabinoids since hemp, which contains up to 0.3% 9 THC on a dry weight basis, was federally legalized under the 2018 Farm Bill. But a prominent attorney we've had on the show before, his name is Rod Kite has been at the center of this conversation. And he said, because the Farm Bill specifically says that post-production hemp products cannot contain more than 0.3% Delta-9 THC rather than total THC, that makes natural derivatives like Delta-9 THCA federally legal, according to Kite. And this is an issue that I'm paying attention to closely. Of course, being in the hemp side of the industry, this directly impacts me and my business. But on top of it, we have the 2018 Farm Bill expiring at the end of 2023, which is the foundational language for all of the regulated consumable hemp industry. So certainly more to come, and we'll keep you guys updated as I'm tracking that issue. Now on to today's guest, I'm joined by Matthew Scherenberg, the co-founder and CEO of Deep Roots, and we're diving into the world of SEO, aka search engine optimization. When you go to Google and search for cannabis near me and a hierarchical list of options pops up for you. Well, Matthew and his team built a company to help cannabis brands and dispensaries to quote, sell more weed as their homepage puts it by working on your SEO strategies that you can rank at the top of Google search listings. Matthew, who is a cannabis industry veteran who in the last seven years has guided marketing and sales strategies for well-known brands from Papa and Barkley to Sherbinsky's and dispensaries and retail companies like Airfield and Hyperwolf He has clearly proven himself time and time again to these business leaders with his deep understanding of cannabis consumer behavior, which drives lucrative strategies, which drives millions in revenue. Today's conversation dives into some of those strategies for you to manage your own SEO, as well as dispels some of the myths about how these search engines rank and what you can do to position your brand or business for digital success. So without further ado, please join me by lighting one up and let's welcome Matthew to the show.
0: My name is Matthew Sherbrooke. I'm um, the co-founder and CEO of Deep Roots Partners. We are a digital agency focused on SEO in the cannabis space, and most importantly, helping for tagline, helping cannabis retailers sell more wheat. A bit of background on myself and even why Deep Roots Partners exists today. So I, my journey to cannabis was like, a, I was looking here, and then all of a sudden, I got pulled over there, and what that means, I was working in music, so I graduated So I'm Got a frame of reference. 26. Uh, actually, sorry, just turned 27, and I graduated high school in 2014. I was initially going to go to Berkeley College of Music, study drums, music production, all that stuff. Ended up not going, deciding not to go, not wanting to take on a 250,000 dollar loan by myself. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a gap here. One of the best decisions I ended up ever made. And what ended up happening was during that year, I started interning in music, working in music, licensing, working different labels in LA and started exploring kind of the music scene. What became very apparent is I just didn't actually enjoy that. Music was my passion. It's what I love to do every day, play, record, but then the business just didn't really click with me. And I had a couple of just small journeys through that and Someone that I was working with in the music licensing space had called me up one day and he was like, Hey, I'm starting a delivery service. And I'm like, well, what do you deliver? (laughs) And he was like, I'm delivering weed. And at that point I was like 18 and I'm obviously smoked weed at the time and knew about the industry, but I wasn't thinking about it as my career. And I was like, well, I think I'm just going to stick this music thing out, keep trying all that other fun stuff. And then, then he, and he was like, all right, well, I'm going to start it. And one day I, mean, I think it was like, had to have been like four, like three to four months later, he calls me. He's like, Hey, can you come help me move? And he was moving, setting up an office, like house situation for his delivery and I started, I saw, I started, I saw everything. I saw the turkey bags of weed, the, the piles of cash. All of a sudden, youngie, 19 at the time, my 19 self was like wide-eyed and bushy tails, like, holy shit, what's going on over here? And, and so he sat me down to, at the time, this was in California. So Prop 215 was well into, this was, yeah, 2015. So Prop 215 was well into place. And he took me through the whole legal structure, where it was a cooperative, and there was a head of a cooperative or things volunteer, basically like how Prop Two fifteen was set up, and how the beginning of like the California, really, I think the rest of the cannabis industry ended up following, and I was like, "Oh,, this is like a legit business. You've got a website, you've got your Yelp listing, you got reviews, you're doing s m s marketing." And so I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I get it. I'm in like, put me in coach. And I ended up coming on and just running all kind of what I ended up wanting to do is running all kind of the marketing strategy. And so that was managing the website, Google listings, dealing with weed maps, coming up with the SMS marketing, kind of, all of the kind of marketing and revenue operations. And so that way, that was 2015 to 2017. And that's where I really dug in to cannabis. And that's where I cut my teeth really understanding. This was a local delivery. We were, I think just delivering, but it's basically, it was like the, in LA, I think I'd call it like the Hollywood to Valley corridor, where it was like from Hollywood to Sherman Oaks, to Van Nuys, and back down to West Hollywood and Beverly Hills. And that was it, that was the extent of the delivery area. And yeah, just learned a lot through that. And obviously not doing marketing, I ended up jumping into the time you could walk in with a duffel back to any dispensary, as long as you had the proper kind of cooperative paperwork and say, Hey, I'd love to talk to your store manager. I've got, got a pound of Bubba Kush or whatever it is that she had on hand. It was like almost like very barter old school, like went in and sold into dispensaries and had relationships and then that turned into a lot of the kind of broker sales people, which then turned into the distribution and sales networks of today. And a lot of those people that were brokers then and selling pounds in they're your top VP of sales at like large brands today. And it was just for me, I was like that journey from 2015 to now has been really, really amazing, but that those formative two years. I think really shaped my view and my passion for the industry was so there was like, it was a couple of things. It was like, look at 19 to have that kind of be embedded in the industry, find that purpose and realize there's all of this, unch- I call it like unchiseled territory. Like it's just, it's like unpaved road. Right. And you get to walk it and you get to decide to pave it. And so that was really special. So I did that from 2015 to 2017. And then at 2017, ended up splitting off with the delivery. This was at the time that Prop 64 was coming into place. Essentially, there were some regulations and pretty much like at the time, like the understanding was, if you didn't have a retail storefront, you couldn't operate a delivery outside of an actual licensed store. The partner that I had at the time, he didn't really want to go through the whole licensing thing. And I was like, I want to keep this as a career and do this long-term so I went off and decided to, was, ended up consulting for a lot of the early pre-ICO's, which are the, the class, uh, an early class of dispensary in Los Angeles that ended up being the first to become the kind of Prop 64 recreational stores. So did that from 2017 to 2019, where I ended up having a, my first kind of marketing consulting business. We were doing full service. I had a lot of learning lessons as an entrepreneur, a lot of, yeah, a lot of learning lessons. But I got to really work with just a ton of amazing brands, from Pop and Barkley to, to Dom Pen, dispensaries like Firehouse and the Kind Center. Just a lot of just these like very early on and what I feel are very important kind of California and uh, Los Angeles based brands, and that sort of kind of set me up to understand the industry. But then most importantly, in those years with working with dispensaries, time and time again, tying back to. To today, the biggest lever from the marketing lever between influencer stuff that we try to everything for retailers specifically where a cannabis marketer can come to me and say, hey, I'll give you a dollar and I can give you three back was a local search for dispensaries, And that was just time and time again, just the math. When it came to, we work with cannabis brands at a certain point when we realized what I realize is that cannabis brands, at least for now, like direct to consumer marketing, it's doesn't exist. You have to market to your retailers, and now obviously the industry has evolved. You have great to direct consumer brands like Can and Kiva and other and cookies that have transcended the model. Obviously, but those are very special cases. But in terms of what I would say, let's call it the ninety percent of the industry that needs to rely on tactical. Kind of marketing levers especially within a retail local search, was where it's at and then that kind of led into beginning of 2020 where i was trying to figure things out i almost tried to exit out of the cannabis space because i had speed down from my other business and i was like nobody had marketing budget nobody had budget to even hire at that point and this was at the height of COVID. and so myself, and then I had a guy named Eugene Kusharevsky, who's my co founder. And at the time, we worked together basically. I brought he at a link building agency. So there's kind of two sides to SEO there's the on site content and technical portion with the website, and then there's the off site portion, just link building, like digital PR. He focused on that for the past nine or so years. And he was like, Hey, let's go ahead and do what we did for your retailers over the past three years, but let's just focus on that. And initially I was like, no, like, I I don't know if I want to go into a whole like agency consulting world, but then I ended up just talking to retailers and this was at the height of COVID. And for the first time they were like, we have to market digital. And I was like, where were you three years ago when you could have actually like way capitalized on this and your upside would have been way higher. But anyways, we were there. And so the kind of natural progression of the briefs is we started with one partner or one client partner, and we're at five, and kept growing. And today we're at 45 dispensaries across the country. So that's the, my background. And I know you kind of mentioned to a lot of the listeners in terms of finding a space in the industry. I would say the biggest thing is follow your passion. There's reach for it in the space. It may not be in a direct role. It may be in consultative but it exists and you just kind of have to like, just lean in to what you're passionate about. It sounds really fucking cheesy, but it's, it's just what it is. Like you just gotta, you gotta lean in, you'll find the pocket. And then once you find it, then you can explore and figure it out. But there's a ton of value. And also just remember we are still like, maybe we're a little past the, the top of the first inning, maybe it to give it to like, I don't know, maybe like a sports reference, but yeah, this is so early on. This is ridiculously early on. This industry is still going to evolve over 50, 100 years. It's so early. And so again, like it was unpaved road then. There's some more paved roads now, but there's still a lot to go. So that's, that's why on it.
1: No, I love that analogy of the unpaved road and it really being an opportunity to lean in. And I think you just highlighted from your experience, the shifts that happen, I think in just traditional markets and traditional industries, but because it's cannabis, it's maybe happening at a faster pace in some regards and maybe sometimes slower. And I think that there's a lot of discouragement that can happen in the industry because it's almost like a race to the bottom in some situations. I certainly feel like that's like a threat in the conversation, but I, as much as I maybe don't seem like an optimist, I try to be optimistic. And what can you do? You can't really look back. My husband is very much, don't look back. You'll turn into a pillar of salt. So you got to just keep looking forward. So it's been really encouraging just to not beat yourself up to think of what I could have done, but like it's today, what can I accomplish? I have a brand, I have a business, or I want to start a brand or a business. Okay, ready, set, go. So You've obviously highlighted some of your experience too of doing other marketing activities. And as my listeners know that marketing is one of my favorite topics, SEO, search engine optimization, I know is more of a buzz term these days, but I think also to maybe start with a heavy hitting question to use your baseball analogy and based on just what we were talking about, is there... Because like from my perspective of SEO, it's ranking, right? So you all want to be the first spot. Well, if you have 10 clients and maybe they're all in the same area, or even just you've got a client and it's in a popular area, and maybe there's other dispensaries or other brands, like you can't all be first, right? Like you can't all have the top ranking. And so I just want to hear from your perspective, how you navigate that even from a business perspective, do you only take on... X amount of clients in a certain geographical area because you want to give your clients the best shot of hitting that number one spot, because I think that's some of the, again, you don't want to look back and be like, man, I should have done SEO, but it's like now presently today, Hey, I should start investing in SEO, but it's pretty aggressive out there. I've certainly seen some brands just dominate that position. And there's so many things that go into you touched on your website and backlinking so it's like a little bit of a heavy lift. So I'm just curious from your perspective, if everybody's trying to be number one, we can't all be number one. So how do you handle that from your perspective?
0: Yeah, that's a question I get on every discovery call and every every time I chat about it. So for, first with like the whole like ranking number one, like the whole idea of ranking number one, what we found and my partners found over, like we have outside of myself, we've got my partner, Eugene has had nine, nine years of link building experience. And I think of overall 15 years of SEO experience and one of our, and our director of SEO, Kyle Eggleston, he been doing SEO for 20 plus years and worked at Walgreens and ran SEO strategy, Sunnyside and Cresco before working with us. And one of the things that always conveyed to our clients is that there is no guarantee to number one ranking and actually. What we always talk about is you have a chance to get to the top three. And then at that point, and this is where the cross of brand and kind of the tactic of SEO start coming in, it's up to the consumer at that point to engage with your site, to enjoy your content, to actually convert in whatever you're converting, whether it's an e commerce purchase, email sign up, any of those, whatever your conversion kind of metric is. It's up to the consumer to decide who the truly number one spot is. So that's like my first like little asterisk and caveat. No, that makes sense. But overall in terms of, yeah, like you said, competition. So one, as a business and I, we struggled with this starting, starting the agency, obviously taking clients where we needed to and so on and so forth. But very early on, we knew that we wanted, we did not want to be a a quote-unquote like a chop shop agency where he took every client and just ran for it. We wanted to truly win for our partners. And what that ended up translating to in terms of the question of like, all right, do you, how do you deal with the competition? So one, what we've done is that we won't take more than two to three major partners in a single metro area. So let's use like San Francisco for as an example. It's, it's like a, it's a, I don't know, four mile radius. I, think I don't actually remember how many mile radius it is. But, you know, essentially that city has like these one mile radius pockets where dispensaries compete in. And so let's say that, for example, we have a partner in like Castro. And for me to take another partner in like Castro would just be unethical. Because at that point, we're fighting over the same radius. But let's say that dispensary was five miles away, right? And the consumer logically isn't going to, at this point, it's local marketing, right? Are they really going to choose like the dispensary that is considerably farther, about 30-minute drive? No. So that's how we determine it when it comes to how we deal with our partners In terms of, does that make sense, by the way?
1: No, it does make sense because again, it's one of those things like you do have to have some ethics, obviously not every agency does where it's like, I can do SEO for everyone. But if you're applying those same tactics and strategies to every business, I guess on one end, if you're the agency, it is a little bit like let the best brand win because there might be different touch points for the consumer. They might gravitate towards one brand over another because of the look or because of the product selection or because of their community involvement, et cetera, their story, whatever. But I think there are still people who, whether we have, like using you and I as an example, whether you and I have dispensaries that are completely different. I cater towards a female audience. You yeah. cater towards a very male driven audience we both still want to be number one, right? In that area. And so it's a little, it's one of those things, there's not really a right answer, right? But I think people listening are like, well, I want to be number one. And I want to be the only number one in this area and looking for different tools that can accelerate them into that position. And so you can, but here's like all these other things that go into that consideration for ultimately being number one.
0: Yeah. And also being number one doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the business. We actually we learned this the hard way, and we learned this. Thing. It was really the only time it's actually really happened to us, where we had a partner that was in Southern California, and essentially they were in a town that was like it was in Long Beach, and Long Beach itself has a lot of different parts. And they were there's like a downtown area, there's by the beach, and there's dispensaries over there, but this specific dispensary was in a more industrial area is was by like a lot of trucking, like stops and stuff like that. And we, and so the way kind of Google maps and also even the rate, uh, Google maps specifically work is you're really fighting for a, being pretty much a three to five mile radius. Back in December of 2021, Google released a, one of their largest updates to the Google maps algorithms, Google maps algorithm specifically, and so And as there's two sections to like local search, there's the maps, and then there's the search, which is below the fold where your website shows up. And what ended up happening in 2021 is before you can go beyond a five mile radius and Google went ahead and made the switch. They really wanted to show the consumer, the retailer or whatever service provider that was closest nearest them. This affected all local industries, HVAC, plumbing, lawyers, pizza parlors, any, anything that someone is searching a near-me surge, this affected. And so at that moment, it was, I think that was probably one of the largest changes to local surge in the past five to 10 years. And what that did is that, it was called the vicinity update. You can research it. There's a lot of articles on it. But essentially it's capped things at a five-mile radius which makes sense because it's a consumer, really gonna travel farther than five miles to get something they want. And so, and that's, and overall, when people ask me, well, how do you know what to do with Google? What would a consumer do? That's, if you wanna remove all the bullshit of like optimization, semantic SEO, this, that, whatever, like what would a consumer do? What does a consumer want? How are you going to serve the consumer reverse engineer that obviously, you know, have the middle layer of the technical know-how and chops, but that's how you're going to serve it. It's back like when we had our first conversation and I was like, Hey, you've actually done really good SEO. And you're like, what are you talking about? I don't know what I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing on SEO, but what did you do? You got great local press. You produce great look, produce great content and you had a great brand. And you had great products. And what did that mean for you? You had great rankings. You didn't need an SEO agency, and you were able to do it on your own because you followed the kind of the tried and true methods of being a great business. And all of that led to you having great rankings. And when you're asking, like, oh, do we need SEO? And I'm like, well, technically, no. This, is when we last you know, spoke over a year ago, but I was like, yeah, you're doing it. You're getting local press, which is driving local backlinks. You're producing great content. You're doing the podcast. You're doing all of the levers that that'll lead to having a great presence. And so it is back to the, this kind of this dispensary that we worked with. They were a legacy brand and we ended up hitting all the digital KPIs. We got them ranking in the top three within a three mile radius. We increase their organic traffic, like every digital metric. And I was able to tell oh, we did this percentage increase and we increased your CTR by X percent, so, and so forth. But then when it came to talking about sales, they only maybe increased their new customer sales by 10%. And that, now that's stunned. I was like, that's, and so the, the, and the, thing about marketing that we all know in cannabis is we have two and 80 e. So for every dollar a cannabis business makes. They only get to really keep 30 cents. And so to have a 10% lift, maybe most other industries is great, but 10% lift in cannabis is like you just lost a lot of money. And so that and we just, we both scratched our heads, we're like, we don't really know why. Like we did all the things that would normally equate to a good bump in sales. And typically right now, what we're seeing on average across the country is about a, Thirty to forty percent increase in overall new customer sales when you hit the KPIs that you want to see from local search, and this is dispensary specific. We'll talk about cannabis brands in a little bit, but yeah, we just did. We didn't hit the sales number numbers, and ended up pausing the campaign. From my perspective, I think a lot of it had to do with just pure. It was pure location. There was nobody from downtown. You we were ranking them in the top three in downtown in kind of their downtown area. But at the end of the day, is someone from downtown going to go to the industrial part of town? And so there's a lot of people are looking for SEO or looking for traffic or looking for their marketing tactic. But you first need to look at your business, understand who am I serving? Where is my location? And is there a population to go after? And then you can decide, is SEO worth it? Should, does it matter for me to be number one? Because it costs money to do it, right? You have to produce content, especially for a competitive area. Like you, and I'm not saying that it's not necessarily not all worth it, but, and if you're going to spend additional budget, it needs to, you need to answer some kind of like very kind of self-reflecting business questions first. You
1: know? well, let me play it back for you really quick, just to make sure I'm understanding Google made an update in 2021 that, because that makes sense to me, right? I would want to be number one in Austin, but Google is now going to show the customer within three to four miles, what's number one based on their location, not just like citywide or like a specific geographical location, like the city of Austin, they're actually going into where Matthew is searching from on his phone and what part of Austin. And so if you're in South Austin, you're going to pull up things that are close to you versus if you're in North Austin. And that's really what's driving the Google display of the ranking versus I'm just the best in all of Austin. Correct. Okay.
0: And that's specifically for the Google Maps, what's called the Google Local Pack, the kind of the first three listings that show up in your search bar now in terms of your website which i call the SERP listings, which is below the fold that doesn't have as much bearing with the three to kind of let's call the three to five mile radius under that you can let's say so let's say you're in austin you look up austin cbd shop or cbd dispensary whatever the gold keyword you're talking about and while your google listing might not show up your website would show up now, again, that it begs the question, well, what's the consumer
1: going to pick? Are they going to pick the map?
0: Yeah. And so, and ultimately I think the consumer, like a lot of it, they do drop onto the local pack. They just pick whatever's the top three, but then there's consumers that want to do some more research, look at the website and so on and so forth. And there's different kind of with the Serbs, you can do some things where you can kind of apply some kind of, like different like kind of tactics to so, like. Make sure you're populating an image. Let's say you add FAQs to your page, and add a thing called it's called FAQ schema. If you want to get tactical, you could actually help create a SERP ranking that actually shows like the website what you normally traditionally see in Google search, and then also see some expandable boxes. So things that'll make the that your SERP listing more attractive to the consumer in terms of looking at that. But yeah, overall, like, they, it's really become a, a very kind of directional game. Now, not to say that it's completely out of your control, but in terms of the, the Google listings, there are, there, there obviously is way, there are ways to increase your, what we call the share of local voice, which is the amount of times or percentage of times you'll show up in a certain mile radius. We utilize a program and anyone with a local business can use this, it's, uh, it's called localfalcon.com. You can go in, type in your business address, it'll pull up your listing and you can set your mile radius. You can set three miles, five miles, and you can set like different parameters in terms of like how many points essentially it shows a grid. And what it does, what the kind of the grid points are, it shows the latitude and longitude of basically, at different points on the map and pulls the average Google search and Google map rankings. And so you can kind of see just an overall, yeah, you can just see like an overall kind of picture of your Google Maps rankings. It doesn't include, it doesn't account for your business or your website, but it takes a look at your map rankings. And so that's a really good metric. And again, the best program that we found, and it's really inexpensive, it's called localfalcon.com. We can go ahead and just, yeah, take a look at it and you'll be able to pull your own rankings and see, see what it's like from there. Now let's say your rankings aren't great. Well, how do you beat what's called proximity, which is going past this three to three to five mile radius? Well, there's two things. And it comes back to the question of knowing your business. So the first thing is what we call relevance. Relevance is who you are, the copy on your website, what Blogs, do you have the description on your Google business profile? And again, there are different tip optimizations you can make, keywords to insert. But I, anytime I talk to a business owner, the first question is don't complicate it. Just describe what your business does in the clearest way for a consumer to understand. And in that, I bet you, you're going to find an optimized description or an optimized article whatever it is. And so you just want to go down the list and we have checklists and outlines of what a homepage should look like and what a store detail page should look like. But that's the first thing and making sure that your site has content that'll help the consumer in defining, learning about the service that you're offering and deciding if you're the best at that service. Then the second thing is what we call relevance. And this is where the kind of the off-site mentions. So this is your digital PR. So for what you did is you did this in an organic way where you got local press links. You got links from like ABC local and when I first pulled it, that actually linked back to restart CBD. So you actually had links go back to restart CBD from the local press you were getting. And so what that does is that it creates, so you have great content, you have natural press and natural links that you acquired yourself just by having that social kind of viral touch that you were able to give. And then what that does is that it allows Google to say, okay, they're relevant to the search, which is let's call it CBD store, or how do I get the best CBD oil in Austin? And then that helps the site rank, but then inversely, it also helps the Google business profile. Rank. And so when you have that alignment down. That's where you get the optimal ratings, both the website and the Google business profile. And the last thing in the Google business profile is this is where this wouldn't necessarily work. It would work with PR in terms of if you, let's say have an article that you get like an ABC, ABC seven local, if they could like put a link to the Google business profile, that would help. But this is where you do for the Google business profile, specifically the offsite that you do for that is what's called citations. With that, you go across, think of it, Yellow Pages, Foursquare, Yelp as a citation, and you make sure you have profiles that have a good description, have good photos across all these different sites. There is different, if you want to look at what the list of citations are, there are programs like SCM Rush or Bright Local or Yex that you can go in and just get the citations yourself. They aren't automated. And what we found is that it's best to hand build those citations, which is what we do for our partners. But again, you can do that. And again, it's kind of having your listings, your listing kind of backed up with other kind of other listings. And so that's like the three-prong approach to breaking that three to four mile radius. I know that was a lot.
1: Hey, To Be Blunt fam, it's Shada here, and I want to give a shout out to my own brand of premium cannabis products, Restart CBD. As a daily user myself, I can personally attest to the effectiveness of our cannabis tinctures, topicals, edibles, and specifically our hemp-derived Delta 9 THC offerings. Whether I'm dealing with stress, body aches, or just need a boost in focus, Restart has a product and cannabinoid that can make me feel better. And our customers have been loving Restart too. Here are some actual quotes from our fans. Juice said, customer service alone deserves a five star. Always super generous when we come here. Also very professional and knowledgeable. Why, thank you very much. We take those five stars and we raise you a high five. And then Laura said, this is the absolute best dispensary I've ever been to. It's run by three sisters who are all equally knowledgeable about every product they sell. Ah, Laura, thank you for seeing us. We really are out here acting like a sponge, just trying to soak up all the information. So if you're looking for quality cannabis products from CBD to Delta 8 and yes, even Delta 9, we got you. Head to RestartCBD.com. By the way, we ship nationwide. All our products are federally legal and hemp derived. So use the code 2BTOBE at checkout to get $5 off your first order on me. Our team is dedicated to providing you with the best cannabis products on the market, and we're proud to be sponsors of 2B Blunt. Thanks for supporting my brand and my podcast, and let's all restart our day with Restart CBD. I was going to ask, and you touched on it, but I just want to clarify it. Again, I come from a technical background, a marketing background for sure as well. And Google is the queen supreme. It's You want your Google My Business. You want your Google Maps to be polished. You want to make sure that everything is like catering to Google. When Google changes their Google Analytics, it's, oh, we got to re- make sure the code is plugged into our site. Are there other authorities when it comes to SEO? Do you care about are people using like DuckDuckGo? Bing? Like, where do you break down the places that you need to care about? Or is Google really the authority? And then a supplemental question to that is, obviously, cannabis brands, we are highly censored on a lot of platforms. And so when it comes to advertising, which we don't necessarily need to get into unless there's something that you think is relevant. But like, for me, It's not so much, can I do Google ads? That's not the question. It's, am I getting censored by any of the content that I'm putting on the internet that is impacting my search ranking? Are there certain pieces of content that Google doesn't think is authority because it is posted on a platform, for example, like Instagram that I might be censored on or shadow banned? Like we just lost restarts Instagram for the past four days. We got it back, thank the Lord. But like... I have a, like a, a black star on my restart Instagram. Yeah. But when you type that in on the internet, it's just Google, they like, take all that into consideration. Like basically, is there any censorship with any of the content that may be a supplemental or even keywords? Like I know on in Instagram, I can't use certain hashtags. So it's what keywords should I be conscious or considerate about? So one is Google the authority. Two, is there censorship when it comes to the information that these search engines are using to rank for consideration? Got it. Yeah, so
0: to answer your first question, I would say that Google is still the overwhelming majority in terms of market share. ChatGBT is definitely, we get clients asking all the time, well, what about ChatGBT? How do you optimize for that? And the answer is actually, it goes back to Google, right? Because even ChatGBT right now, it's pulling off of two-year-old internet information. And what's the overwhelming majority of the internet? It's Google. For other platforms, so even right now, Microsoft Bing, which is integrated with ChatGBT. Right now, in 2023, it only has about 2.79% of the total market share. Rest of that is still Google. Now, there are other search platforms that are coming up. So I would say right now, I think even TikTok is starting to come out as a search engine. And so again, It comes back to the basic principles of great content, relevant uses of keywords. Now, Google is a platform that doesn't censor that for cannabis. I can't really speak to TikTok, but I know that a lot of like SEO chatter is like there's a lot of, you know, like looking at TikTok as a search engine, there's a lot of consumer behavior, people like looking at restaurants and I'm sure there's... Dispensaries will follow and we'll learn and test that, but still the overwhelming majority and what we see from a pure traffic capture to revenue equation standpoint, Google is still there. And I would say the next iteration of what everyone I think is talking about in terms of like generative AI, for example, like Google is going to fully release that into their search engines. And we are starting to take a look at that. And again, it just comes back down to the fundamentals. And the fundamentals is great content, sound website structure, good user experience on your website. It's still the tried and true methods. And again, like answering like what does the consumer, and I think think that's cross-platform, like in terms of like fundamental, there's obviously going to be, nuances and hacks that you'll everyone will figure out or practitioners will figure out but just what we've seen just in terms of consistency is that it comes down to having great content that helps the consumer having a good user experience which is good design good user flow it would make sense what why the consumer's on the site what they're doing on the site the information what the end goal is and then again, just being having that relevancy where you actually matter, you matter to kind of other businesses that are talking about you as the subject matter expert or the business service expert. Again, it, it all comes down to fundamentals. And I think obviously our large focus is Google. And I think that just seeing what's happening on other platforms, it's, it feels like it's really the, just that same fundamental truth across them all, with obviously kind of a caveat. Of, just the nuances. And then your other question, yeah, with censorship. So, with Google, I wouldn't say there's a ton of censorship there. There is censorship in terms of you want to run Google ads, for example. There, you kind of have to use some like what I call gray hat techniques to actually get the ads live. We've run and tested Google ad campaigns. They do work, they do drive, I would say, a lesser return overall than like organic search because essentially, with Google ads you're paying every time someone clicks with Google search it's you have your campaign you're owning your keywords and again it's investing into digital real estate but yeah with cannabis brands again it's it comes down to the type of returns you want to get and also do you want to constantly have to deal with account shutdowns and so on and so forth and then I would say there was... I was going to add
1: something really quick too just on the censorship thing maybe you've experiences or maybe you haven't yet, but so we have a, I don't know if it's still called Google my business, but whatever your profile is that, yes, you're talking about earlier. You want to make sure, you know, your hours are updated. You want to make sure you have updated photos. Like anytime we do a product shoot, I just dump a handful of new photos into our Google my business profile because I just want new photos to be injected into the relevancy, the recent, whatever, But there are certain features within that I cannot take advantage of. So for example, I think you can make like a post announcement. Hey, holiday store hours, Google has disabled that for me. So I can't actually make post announcements within this feature that's supposed to empower small businesses to have access to, again, feed that relevancy kind of category. And so I believe it's because I'm a cannabis business and they are censoring me for this, that, and the other reason. I, like i don't know how to get around it so there's certain things i'm just like well this is my life and i'm used to doors being shut so i'll just keep doing these other things but it's obviously difficult when you want to play the game that they laid out and then you can't even use some of the features that they give you as a small business with a listing
0: yeah no then that's correct. And that was the other item i was going to go through so i think you asked about instagram so in terms of like it's like other social platforms getting shut down I don't believe that's a factor okay. we were just asking for one of our clients, like where they're like, hey, we want to actually make our Instagram pub- public. Is there any benefit or non-benefit? And we we're like, it doesn't really matter too much. And so what to what your point is that so I misspoke earlier, there is some form of censorship with Google. And it's specifically within the Google business listing. In terms of your website, you're free to write what you want, how you want it, be as explicit as you like. Because again, you run, you. if someone search you weed dispensary, then, you know, or CBD dispensary, then be explicit on your website. Now, with your Google business profiles, there's a couple of areas. One, you were just talking about things like posts, right? So, for, so in general, Google business, and, and again, it's only a 20-year-old platform, 25-year-old platform, I think. We'll find out the exact date, exact amount of years, but... It's relatively young, and Google just recently, maybe in the past like three to five years, added cannabis store as a category before like when i was start when I first started doing s e o and we were alternative health practitioner yes. or like herbal stores or like whatever other yeah, yeah we could yeah. like attribute to and so now you can actually denote you know, cannabis stores, but then what that happens is in Google's eyes. It puts us in, so they categorize cannabis as a high spam and at risk industry and local. And so they put us in the same vein of gun stores, sex shops, I believe, actually I think maybe, I don't know about alcohols, like liquor stores, yeah, gun stores, sex shops, liquor stores. Like high spam categories, like the, the locksmiths guys, where you all of a sudden look up locksmiths in the RV and nobody actually has a business, but it's just a bunch of fake listings that are all driving to like the lead. So they lumped us in there. Not only did they lump us in there, at least for majority of like medical and recreational states, there's no differentiation between an illegal store or a, a great market store and a store with a license. There's none. So the consumer has no idea when they're searching up dispensary near me, if they're walking to a an illicit market store without a license or a store with a license, and that's also another whole dichotomy. Where now, as Weed Maps like pseudo cleaned up its act and kicked off the, a lot of the illicit stores off the marketplace, where do those illicit marketplace play, players go? Google business listings, and Google doesn't care. Google doesn't have like hey, give us your license number, so. And so we're in this like high span category out of that. Yes, you can't do posts, which is if you like talk to any other SEO agency, any other SEO practitioner and plumbing and lawyers, what do they all do? They do Google posts. It's part of their tactics. We don't get that. We're limited to what's on the website. The other thing is listing your products and services. Can't do that. Now, there's some profiles where like it may pop up by mistake and we've seen it, but overall we're overwhelming majority not. The other thing that happens is that cannabis business, Google business profile listings get suspended at a higher rate than other businesses. So what ends up happening is Google's algorithm tries to determine if a business listing is real or if it's fake, or if it's somehow violating their compliance guidelines. In general, their compliance guidelines is they want you to represent your business in the most accurate way possible. So, if your LLC is called Restart CBD and your signage says Restart CBD, then you can, your name on your Google business profile is Restart CBD. But if you wanted to be, if you wanted to, let's say, try to go after other keywords like Restart CBD, CBG, and THC9 dispensary, that's what, we, that's what we call keyword stuffing. And so that was some, that is something that they would put your business profile at risk for getting suspended. And again, it's one of those tempting tactics where like it does work. If you put the keywords in the name, it pops up, it's become less of a relevant factor over time. But at one point you can put a dispensary in your profile and sure enough, you'll be popping up for dispensary. But then you have the, we've, and we've dealt with it a bunch where we have Clients come to us and they're like, Hey, your are listing suspended. And then we figure out why it's because whatever the person was like, Oh, we want to name it X Weed dispensary and marijuana delivery or whatever it is. And then Google's like, well, that's not your actual business. So you want to be truthful with that. Yeah. So with Google business profile, that is probably the most volatile portion of SEO. That's why when you're engaging in local search. You want to have a 2 prong approach. You want to focus on local. They want to focus on the local pack, but you also want to focus on your website. And usually, by tackling both, you'll have an overall kind of I what I call a mouse trap of organic traffic, where you're be grabbing from both and then converting that traffic into consumers. So yeah, that's the overall on local traffic. And I just realized as we hit time where we didn't even talk about brands yet.
1: I know there's so much information. I feel like I want to keep recording, but I also want to be mindful of time and everything. I guess let's maybe give some like final thoughts on, we talked about local. Obviously we want to discuss brand a little bit. I know you recently put out the ultimate SEO guide for cannabis businesses. Super insightful. Everybody should check it out. I don't know if there's like a specific way because I saw it on LinkedIn. If everybody needs to go find you on LinkedIn or if it's on your website, but I feel like this conversation is just like scratching the surface and you've outlined some really great things that like individuals could do on their own lift if they want, or if they have a team to be able yeah. to go, like implement some of these things. But obviously that's where you and your agency come into is like, you have the tactics, you have the strategy, you have the expertise and experience. So whatever kind of like final thoughts you want to say on, I guess like local versus branding, and I'm assuming branding is maybe more of a national approach. Some of these brands are going multi-state operational or they're not the dispensary retail. So they're not selling into one particular location. They're selling into multiple locations and they want that brand awareness when people are searching for the best flower near me. It's like, you want your brand to show up. So would love your final thoughts in that vein. And then we'll maybe have to bring you back for another like part two deep dive on all this stuff. Cause it's interesting.
0: Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff. I think the brand equation doesn't figure out. We've worked with brands. We've worked with brands. that want to come in and say, hey, you want to, pop up for weed drinks near me, or you want to be number one for chocolate edibles or whatever it is. And what I say to that brand is we can absolutely get you there, but what happens with that traffic, that's a conversation that we'll have to dive into because like you've probably found for your, your site with ecom, you might search for, it's like CBD bomb or whatever it is, but then can they transact? Do they go into your shipping guidelines? Can you actually convert them? And it becomes a really tough question. And then they, and in cannabis, we are still in a regional marketing phase. We are not in a national full-on CPG phase. There are some brands that that truly have national coverage and are able to execute amongst that. But ultimately, let's say if someone's searching live resin cartridge in Illinois, right? They want to go buy a live resin cartridge. So if they land on your brand's website, you need to have a funnel built to either get them to your nearest store that carries your product or have direct to consumer, which is not something that's figured out in majority of the country. But even California, where we do have direct to consumer, I don't think it's figured out, and then you have to be able to transact basically either one, get that person to a store that they can buy and make it very clear, okay this is the store nearest to you near you. And there's a couple of modules. Like I know that I was just on a call with a brand and they were showing me their, the company's called a proper high. They have a really cool module that shows basically where a brand is carried. And you need to have that methodology set up, or you also need to decide is first party data what you want. And if you're going after, let's say live resin cards or, weed edibles on a national basis are you thinking about so let's say you're in california colorado and like missouri for example right you're going to ring for weed edibles but that's a national traffic so that could be someone in louisiana that can be someone in may or whatever and so there is power to that right if you're thinking about unpaved the unpaved road
1: and and brain
0: yeah. So it's brand recognition. And all of a sudden you can say, Oh, wait a minute. We just collected a thousand or 2000 names in Maine. Well, let's go connect with them. Maybe see if we can get them submerged and then maybe decide, Oh, maybe it'll make sense to expand to Maine or other areas, or just overall collect a list of interesting cannabis consumers. Now you don't get to transact on that revenue today. But again, if you're thinking about unpaved roads and if you're thinking in that vein, then there is room for what I call a national strategy, where you're, again, you're not going for localized searches. And that's mostly a product. Now, for local retailers, going after product and brand names are extremely important because as a retailer, you want, if someone is searching, let's say, Dizzy near me or Rosin or Cannabis Fire near me, you want to show up for that search as well. So it's an interesting dichotomy where it's like this brand versus retailer, this brand versus retailer kind of landscape. And it's definitely playing out over Google searches. Interesting is Google favoring the brand? Are they favoring the retailer? I think Amazon is a fantastic example of this where they actually, like if you search for Nike, I think Amazon shows up first. Well, you can see if that actually is true, Nike. What the hell? Yeah, let's see. Nike shows up as an ad, then it's Nike. Okay, so Nike actually does a good job. But there's, I know there's other instances where the marketplace would show up first for the brand. And so we'll see, we'll see how that kind of shakes out. But for a brand, if you're looking to invest in SEO, you really have to decide one, are you okay with getting traffic that may not be valuable to your business at some point, right? Do you just want massive traffic, right? Like we spoke to a brand and they're like, no, we want to be ready for when there's uh some sort of interstate commerce, national legalization. And we are everywhere. We are owning every keyword that was related to our business. And we are capturing the national traffic. We're building first party data lists. We're able to convert that. Those are people that are like, like that's like really future visionary type kind of thinking. And so. If that is your goal, yes, go invest in SEO. It's possible. It's going to be a dog site. It's only going to get more expensive as more people and more agencies get in. And all of a sudden you have the top 10 cannabis brands fighting for the same spot. And all of a sudden it becomes like a little chess game where it's great in-house SEOs. The, the other great agencies that exist in cannabis, we're all, we're all playing the same chess game, and fighting for the same traffic. So my, my thing is, is, do it now while it's cheap, but at the same time, you have to decide, is it worth it? You know, just I'll put a pivot. So I was talking with a tincture brand in California, and they wanted to invest in SEO. They're like, oh, well, we wanna, you help retailers sell more weed. Well, could you help us sell more tinctures? And so it's, well, I can get you right here, get you more traffic. Will it help you sell more tinctures? I don't think so. Because one, it's a national term, then to distill it down to the people in California that want to buy a teacher. That's like maybe a couple thousand people, I don't know, I'm throwing some numbers out there, is that really worth it against, let's say a six to $8,000 spend between content and all of the other tactics and making sure your website is correct and all those other things, you know, 68K a month spend. Or could you do that just by doing on the ground marketing? getting into stores, doing pop-up events, that type of stuff and spend that money there. So you have to really, again, it goes back to asking and knowing who you are as a business, who you are as a brand, and then moving forward from there. That's like when people come to us and there's no brand, there's no vision, like there's no marketing, I'm sure you know this, there's no marketing tactic that'll save a bad business. When I say that SEO as well, and I think that's probably my biggest thing is before you engage in search, before you do anything, ask yourself, do I check off on the business fundamentals first? Because if you have the business fundamentals, then everything becomes a lot easier and your do- dollar for dollar investment, you're going to get a greater return. So that's kind of just my overall message SEO and marketing in general.
1: That wraps up another fantastic episode of the To Be Blunt podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed the enlightening discussions and insights we've shared today. But the conversation doesn't end here. I invite you to join my vibrant community of cannabis enthusiasts, experts, and advocates. So what can you do to stay connected and get involved? First, make sure you subscribe to To Be Blunt on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode and if you've enjoyed our show i would truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review it your feedback helps the podcast grow and reach more listeners like you next head over to our website www.2bbluntpod.com where you'll find a wealth of resources exclusive content and our show archives while you're there be sure to sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest cannabis news and events Lastly, I would love to hear your thoughts, questions, and episode suggestions. Connect with me and the show on social media. Find us on Instagram at to be Blunt pod and at The Shaded TheShadedTorabi. Let's keep the conversation going and work together to dispel myths, break stigmas, and celebrate the incredible world of cannabis. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, stay curious, stay informed, and stay blunt.